Thank you so much. Would you find in your Bibles Jeremiah chapter 27? We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Jeremiah chapter 27. Might want to keep your Bibles open or your smartphones lit up so that uh, might look some other verses around there as well. But uh, uh, we appreciate as we continue our uh, looking at uh, several messages from Jeremiah, four messages particularly here as we uh, in the month of January. And uh, we're glad that you've come. Thank you for being here today. You've made it. We're glad you're here. Excited. It is a weekend. A lot of folks are traveling. And uh, we pray for our young people and uh, who are in Tennessee uh, today. And pray for their having wonderful times of worship and study and great time together. And, uh, of course, uh, they'll be coming back tomorrow. So we pray certainly for their safety uh, as well. Thank you so much for worship. Thank you for leading us in worship, our worship leaders. I always love coming on Sunday and singing with you all. And I get to do it twice. Of course, there's no law against you all coming twice. But, uh, but if you all came, we'd probably have to have tickets or something because it couldn't all fit in. But we appreciate you being here today. And I tell you, even me, if I sit close enough to the drums, I think I even sound good singing. But I always enjoy it and appreciate you being here. We're in Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 1. This now is the Word of God as we read the first 12 verses. It says, In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus the Lord said to me, Make yourself straps and yoke bars and put them on your neck. Send word to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, king of the sons of Ammon, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon, by the hand of the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah, give them this charge for their masters. Thus says the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel, This is what you shall say to your masters. It is I who by my great power, my outstretched arm, have made the earth with men and animals that are on the earth, and I give it to whomever it seems right to me. Now I have given all these lands into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I have given them also the beast of the field to serve him. All the nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings shall make him their slave." Verse 8 reads, But if any nation or kingdom will not serve this Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, put his neck, its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, I will punish that nation with a sword, with famine and with pestilence, declares the Lord, until I have consumed it by his hand. So do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers or your sorcerers who are saying to you, You shall not serve the king of Babylon. For it's a lie that they are prophesying to you with the result that you will be removed far from the land, I will drive you out and you will perish. But any nation that will bring its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will leave on its own land to work it and dwell there, declares the Lord. Verse 12 reads, To Zedekiah, king of Judah, I spoke in like manner. Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. I was... uh, I was in my early 20s when I began my first time to pastor a church in the rural part of North Texas. And there, oh, it was a very small church. We probably had about uh, maybe 10 or 12 families in the whole church. And most of them were dairy farmers, so they lived on lots of land. And we were a little church there in the midst of that uh, rural town. But you you knew when somebody was out. So one day I asked, uh, I saw Mrs. Pete was there, but Mr. Pete was not. His first name was Pete, and I just called him Mr. and Mrs. Pete. But, uh, and I said, uh, where's Mr. Pete today? I asked her, and she kind of leaned forward and kind of whispered, and she said, he's cabin. I had no idea what she was talking about. But 
I didn't want to appear foolish or ignorant, so I just said, uh, uh, "said Well, listen, I sure hope he feels better soon, and I'll be praying for him." I said, oh, that, "I don't know whether I said it out loud, but I sure thought that cabin really must hurt, whatever that might that might be." It was not until later that I learned. Listen, I'm I'm the first to admit that I'm a city boy. I like to wear boots and drive pickup trucks, but uh, before that time, I'd lived only in. Uh, Birmingham mostly or in Fort Worth and uh, so uh, I didn't quite understand exactly it was only till later that I found out that he was helping a cow have a calf at that time well here you know uh, uh, appearing foolish or ignorant I decided that I'm not going to worry about that that may be one of my spiritual gifts just to kind of look that way anyway but uh, here it was Jeremiah speaking to an agricultural community. And so they understood, or they saw, at least understood what he was wearing, that he's wearing a yoke uh, and a straps around the yoke like you would put around an ox or might put around a donkey. And uh, so they knew that he was wearing that. They may not have known why. And I commend Jeremiah, for he must have looked foolish walking around Jerusalem with a yoke around his neck. But seemingly, without hesitation, he followed God's request. Now, why would God ask Jeremiah to wear a yoke meant for an ox, and why would Jeremiah agree to it? Well, I'm glad you're asking, and we're going to look into that very thing. But Jeremiah loved to use illustrations in object lessons, or at least that's kind of a reputation of the book of Jeremiah. Lots of object lessons in there. But in truth, most of these are object lessons that God gave for Jeremiah, or He gave to Jeremiah in order that he might be able to share that with God's people. In our first three weeks in Jeremiah, we've talked about different time periods of Jeremiah's ministry. We looked at Jeremiah chapter 1, and where Jeremiah called, God called Jeremiah as a teenager. We certainly talked about how God's calling each one of us, those of us who are followers of Jesus. The second week, or week 2 in Jeremiah, Jeremiah went to the potter's house and watched the potter shape and mold a marred and perfect piece of clay into a beautiful vessel that was useful and how he desired for God's people to be a beautiful and useful vessel or that he would actually kind of mold them into something that would be good only for destruction. And if they did not follow and were not obedient to God, that they would not only God would the enemy come and invade the province of Judea, but also Jerusalem and the temple. Week 3, this week, Jeremiah 27, the first exile has already occurred. Nebuchadnezzar and his army have come in. They've conquered Jerusalem. They've carried off 10,000 people to Babylon along with the king of Judah. The temple still stood at this time. And though it might have been damaged, Jerusalem was still standing for now. But it would not be long before Nebuchadnezzar's army would be back. More would be carried into exile and then further in final destruction. And God sends Jeremiah a message First, go to these five kings that we read about here just a moment ago and uh, tell them to subject themselves to the king of Babylon or they will be destroyed by sword, famine, or pestilence. If they submit to the king of Babylon, they'll be able to live in their own land and work their own fields and the rule of Babylon will not last long. Why these five kings? Well, these were not God's people. They were, these were the five kings whom sought to make an alliance with Judah and the Israelites to overthrow the king of Babylon. Jeremiah was faithful to deliver the message. Then Jeremiah was told to go to the king of Judah, Zedekiah. This is the one that was appointed to be king uh, over Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, meant to be a puppet king, though he was the uncle of the king that was taken in exile. Later, he would give the same message to the priest and to the people of Judah. 
And so that no one would miss the message, God told him to get a yoke of wood and straps like what an animal would wear who was tilling up the ground. Wear the yoke in public, and he did so for many days. Now let's admit to the unusual message and the unusual object lesson. It seems counterintuitive to submit to the enemy or to give that message. And it was not like the people of Babylon had suddenly become godly or good. In fact, one day there would be destruction or there would be judgment that they would follow for their sins. But for now, God was using this pagan people to bring judgment to God's people. In fact, God even called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar knew that he was being used as God's servant. Now, Jeremiah was not asked to wear a WWJD or Love God, Love Auburn bracelet. He wasn't asked to wear a t-shirt with a Bible verse on it. He wasn't asked to put on a cross and a chain, but to wear a yoke made for a beast of burden around his neck. Maybe it was so people would ask, Hey, Jeremiah, do you know you have a yoke around your neck? Yeah, I know that. Why are you wearing the yoke around your neck? Well, because God has a message for you. Jeremiah went as public as possible with the word from the Lord. Church, i got to tell you, I believe it's time. It's time we go public with our faith. It's time we go public with the message about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that people need to turn to Him. It's time for our church. I think it's also time that our community needs it. It's time certainly that the world needs it. So as we talk about it today, you've got some notes there that are before you and we're going, to make it, uh, we're going to make it very personal. You might notice the first personal pronouns that we're going to use as we talk about why it's time for me to go public with my faith. And here's the first reason why is because Jesus tells me to. Jesus tells me to go public. I, I guess Jeremiah's answer could have been if they asked, why are you wearing that yoke around your neck? His answer could have been simply because God told me to. It's needed today, but it's not new. God wants you to go public. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light shine before others that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus went on to say that you are the light of the world and that light's not to be put under a bushel or under a basket. No, it's to be put on a lampstand for all to see or on a top of a hill so that others might be able to see as well. It does not mean that about letting the light shine so that others might be able to see us. But it is that others might be able to see Jesus through us and that He might be able to receive the Lord, the glory. Jesus got even more specific when He said in Matthew chapter 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now there's some obvious differences between God's message for for Jeremiah to the nations and our message from God to the nations. We're not to tell people to submit to a foreign king. We're to let people know that they need to submit to the king of kings. Jeremiah said, all who do not submit would be taken off their land, they'd be exiled, or they would be removed from the earth. Well, our message is, all who do not submit to the king of kings will be separated from God for eternity. Jeremiah went first to the five kings to tell them the message, the five foreign kings, serve the king of Babylon and live. Then Jeremiah went to the king of Judah, his king, with a similar message. Sword, famine, and pestilence seems to be the common theme of all those who did not listen to Jeremiah and follow the Lord's direction. So we read, Jeremiah went to the five kings, 
gave God's message while wearing the wooden yoke. Then he went to his king, gave God's message, also wearing the wooden yoke. And then we find that he was not through yet. He was to continue to go and to share with others. His task was not complete. God sent him to the priest of Judah and to the people, to the fellow Israelites. In fact, if you got your Bibles open, you might notice in Jeremiah chapter 27, verses 16 through 17. We read through verse 12 a moment ago. Verse 16 says this, Then I spoke to the priest and to all this people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Do not listen to the words of your prophets who are prophesying to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon, for it's a lie that they are prophesying to you. Do not listen to them, serve the king of Babylon, and live. Why should this city become a desolation? Jeremiah followed God's instructions and went public with words and with a yoke around his neck to help his people to understand. Are we pretty clear, those of us who are followers of Jesus, that there is a message that needs to be shared? But he's given us a little bit different strategy maybe than he gave Jeremiah. Jeremiah began with the kings of other nations. Then he told his king, the king of Zedekiah, that had been set up by Nebuchadnezzar, then to the people in Jerusalem. What we find in the familiar passage, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Which means I am to begin wherever God has planted me or wherever God sends me. It doesn't exclude other nations or surrounding communities, but my command is to be a witness right now all over the world, and He tells me to begin right here. Now, your mom and daddy probably told you, or maybe you've told your kids on occasion when they have asked, why am I doing this, or why do I have to do this? They probably said to you, because I told you to. It could be that we find from Jeremiah, he could have simply understood and said it was because God told him to. But it's also because, and that should be enough, but it's also because the message is counterintuitive or it's opposite to the world's message. How, how strange it must have sounded for God's people to hear a message from the prophet of God that said, go ahead and surrender yourself to this foreign pagan nation. Hey, they grew up hearing about Moses, the great deliverer, and how God had used Moses to deliver them from the Israelites. I'm sure that they had learned and heard lessons about how Joshua and the Israeli army came in with God's help and conquered all the Canaanites who were living in the promised land. And I guarantee you they'd heard about David. Uh, they knew about David and they knew about how many times he had uh, won battles and won wars against the Philistines and against many, many others as well. So how strange it must have sounded for them to be told, stop trying to revoke, put down your weapons, surrender yourselves to King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. That had to be a hard pill to swallow. Why was this happening? Well, they had been disobedient to God. They listened to the lies of false prophets and they worshiped foreign idols. This was their punishment. They had been told a long time in coming, yet they did not turn to God. Yet still God shows His grace. If even now they would follow God's instructions, they could still stay on their land and reign and the reign of Nebuchadnezzar would not last. If they did not listen, they did not submit to this foreign power, it would be at least three generations before they could rebuild. We're making it personal today. So you can say, I have a message to share that's opposite of what people believe and think is right. 
leave it all behind and follow Jesus. Don't make popularity, power, and prestige and accumulation of wealth your priority. Submit. Surrender yourself to Jesus. Give the message. All of us are sinners. You're a sinner. Well, I mean, that message might turn people off. But the Bible says without repentance there is no remission of sin. Jesus said, I am the way and the only way. No one cometh unto the Father but through me. You mean to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Surely if a person is good enough, surely if their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, somebody can make it to heaven. It is our theme. We sang about it today from Galatians 2.20. It is our, Galatians 2.20 is our theme for 2020. Hopefully if you don't remember the verse, you can at least remember Galatians 2.20 for 2020. Be our theme for the year. But the very next verse, Galatians 2.21 says this, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If there's any other way that a person can come to God, if there's any other way that a person might be able to make it to heaven besides faith in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, then Jesus died in vain. But I often tell people the message of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus has the power to change lives, has the power to be able to give people true life and eternal life to all those who believe and call on Jesus. To those who do not, it is offensive. So we understand that the cross and the resurrection, it is offensive enough, and you and I don't have to be. For, for you, think of it like this. I need to go public because people are heading in the opposite direction. They're listening to lies. They're living in sin. They're worshiping the wrong gods. Sword, famine, in pestilence, if not physically, then spiritually, if they do not surrender to Jesus. But I also need to go public because I do really care for others. You're making it personal. I mean, you do because you've experienced the love of Jesus. If your love for others has not grown because of or since you became a believer in Jesus, then you might need to check and make sure you just didn't go through the motions. I'm not saying we're perfect at it. We're far from perfect. I'm far, far from perfect. But it is, it's a natural outpouring of the more that we learn and understand the love of Jesus, the more that we're going to love others. It is because of my love for Jesus that we do love other people as well. But here's where many genuine believers, even followers of Jesus, stumble. Many are afraid if they really grow close and submit to Jesus in all things... God's going to ask you to do something foolish. Case in point, look at Jeremiah. He was obedient to God, and there he is walking around in Jerusalem with a wooden yoke made for an ox around his neck. Why did he do it? God told him to. That probably was enough. The people were believing a lie. They needed to hear the truth, and God used Jeremiah to get their attention. But there's also evidence that Jeremiah cared enough for his fellow countryman that no ask was too great. No ask was too foolish. Yeah, sometimes, keeping it personal, yeah, sometimes I might look a little foolish and I might sound a little foolish. This is you. But I hope I care for others enough to be willing to look foolish if that's what is required. There are many times that God's people went public. Many times in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, there are 120 followers of Jesus in an upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon all those believers. The Bible says there's a sound of a rushing wind. Tongues like fire came and rested upon all believers and the followers of Jesus began to speak in other tongues. 
Not the kind of tongues that we often think of or debate about in church. Because as the people, God's people, began to speak during the Feast of Pentecost, everybody could understand what they were saying even though they did not speak the same language. It was Pentecost. Feast that many, many people would come in from other nations and other countries and they all heard in their own language what was being said. And the people are astonished at what's happening. They even asked about these followers of Jesus. Are they drunk? Peter stood up and said, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Don't know why he had to give the time that Jesus' followers were not drunk. But he said, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, but they are filled with the Spirit. And Peter shared the good news about Jesus. And on that day, 3,000 were added to the kingdom. They had been told to stay in the upper room until the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And then they went public and people understood the good news in their own language. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit has already come upon you. And because of that, we know that we're called to go public so that other people can understand the message clearly. You ever been in a foreign country to where you may have been in places to where you thought you were the only one who spoke English and you felt a little helpless maybe there at times. There's probably parts of this country you could go and you might feel you're the only one who speaks English. But a few years ago, probably a little decade or so ago, my wife Kelly and I were uh, uh, on a trip in another country. It was a couple of week trip. Most everything was planned out except for three days. And I said, uh, I said tell you what, let's just take a backpack and let's see, if we knew our destination, let's take a backpack and we'll just get there best way we can by train or bus or walk if we have to. And uh, we were much younger then, by the way. You know, that all sounds good, you know, when you, when you plan that out. Sounds kind of exciting. But uh, i got to tell you, there were many times that I found myself a place I needed some help. And if, people, if anybody spoke or understood English, they were not letting on. One particular long day of travel... We were on a bus that we thought was heading in the right direction, which we wanted to go. And, and I was the tacky tourist. I was there. Just a, it was just a local book kind of bus, not a tourist bus, you understand. But I had my map in one hand and a guidebook in another hand. And I kept talking to the driver about where we were going. He just kept nodding his head. I had no idea. Kept driving. Didn't know, have any idea whether he understood. This is before Google Maps, you understand, or even understood about uh, Google translations. But uh, finally, a lady about three or four rows back, she said, I can help you to get where you're going. And she spoke English. And she came up and she, we told her where we wanted to go and she understood and she knew all about it. And she said, well, the bus will drop you off. And um, it wasn't a bus station. They literally just dropped you off on the side of the road and said, uh, there's new one hotel uh, about two or three miles maybe off the, off the road, highway in which we were on. And she told us how to get there. And then she said this, but you don't want to go there after dark. It was already dark. I wasn't going to stay on the bus for another 12 hours. And uh, so she told us it helped us be able to know how to get there safely. Well, we must have made it because we're still here today. Uh, listen, I want to tell you it's time to go public because there are people who need to be able to hear and understand the truth and hear something they can understand you're saying, I can help you get where you need to go. I can show you the way. No need to worry about sword, famine, or pestilence spiritually or physically. People need Jesus as their guide and protector. Say this with me. If not allowed, say this in your heart. I'm going public with my faith and with the message of Jesus because I care for others. But also, we need to go public with our faith 
Because the plan is for me to be different. We're making it personal. As a follower of Jesus, I'm no longer the same. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people. Now, some of us are more peculiar than others. But oh, how we have a tendency to blend in with the crowd, to conform and not be transformed. But God's plan is for me to stand out sometimes. There's three parts of His plan for how I go public. And they're these. Truth, godliness, and love. People need to know the truth. Jesus is the way and the only way. All of us are sinners in need of repentance. And people need to place their faith in Christ. The world is preaching a different message. Truth is relative, they say. What is true for you may not be true for me. Live and let live. Don't worry about what is true. Just be tolerant of others. Worry more about the environment and global warming than about their fate and the fires of hell. These are some of the messages of the world. And I'm all about taking care of God's green earth. Through Jeremiah, God told the five kings, I am the one who created the the earth and everything in it. I will do as I please with it and I will put it in the hands of whom I please. Jeremiah pleaded with them not to listen to the false prophets, not to listen to the soothsayers, not to listen to the fortune tellers and dreamers who say Babylon will be overthrown, all the people who have been taken in exile will return, and all the treasures of the temple will be brought back soon. Watch out. Watch out for the preachers and watch out for the people of this world who tell you only what you want to hear. In Jeremiah chapter 28, there's a false prophet that appears. We read Jeremiah 27, the very next chapter. Hananiah said that he had a word from the Lord. In the same year that Jeremiah told the five kings and the kings of Judah, the priests and the people, they needed to submit to the kings of Babylon. This false prophet said to Jeremiah in the temple, in front of all the priests, in front of all the people, he said, the false prophet, God has broken the yoke of Babylon. I will bring back the treasures of the temple and the sons of the king will return and all the exiles will return in two years. He said this on a very public stage. I will tell you, the more that we go public, the more that people will be watching. They'll be watching and they'll be listening to our words. What do you think Jeremiah did when he said, when the false prophet said the, all the people in the exile will be returning soon? He said, Amen. Jeremiah chapter 28 and verse 6. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. May the Lord do so. May the words you have spoken come true. And then Jeremiah said, But there's only one way we can know if a prophet is a true prophet of God. And that is if all their prophecies come true. Well, Hananiah must have got pretty upset about this. Because the scripture says he took the yoke that was on around Jeremiah's neck, took it off his neck, and he broke it into pieces. And Jeremiah in chapter 28 and verse 11 says simply, Jeremiah the prophet went his way. Then God came to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, this time put a yoke on, but put an iron yoke that cannot be broken. For the five kings, the king of Judah, and all the people will surrender and serve King Nebuchadnezzar and the people of Babylon. And God had a message for that false prophet. In fact, if you got your Bibles open, you might find it in Jeremiah chapter 28, the last two verses. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, speaking to Hananiah, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, the seventh month, the prophet 
Hananiah died. He was a false prophet. Jeremiah said he had a word from the Lord. Hananiah said he had a word from the Lord. How were the people to know which one was true? Well, Jeremiah told them whichever one, whichever prophecy comes true, and Jeremiah's did. How do we know who's telling the truth? Somebody says this is truth or that's truth. This is right or this is wrong. How do we know? It is because we have that which is the only authoritative Word of God. We have that in our hands which we are to continue to use as our very source of authority in the way everything that everyone says and that everyone does, even preachers who tell you this is the truth. You might remember that when Paul came to the city of Berea, the Jewish people there in Berea began to tell them about Jesus. They're hearing it for the first time. The Bible says Bereans search the Scripture in order to be able to understand, in order to be able to know that everything that Paul was saying was true. God's plan for me to stand out will be to know the truth as found in God's Word, to grow in truth and share that truth with others. God's plan for me to stand out also is godliness. Do not discount the far-reaching and powerful effect of living a godly life as light in a dark world. How important is it for Christ's followers to be obedient to Jesus and His Word? It's important. Not because we live by a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's important because people are watching you, particularly if you're going public with your faith. And a godly life will point more people to Jesus. But if you go public with your faith that you're a follower of Jesus and you're not seeking to live a godly life, we're never going to live a perfect life, but you're not seeking to live a godly life, it's likely that you will point people away from Jesus. God may not ask me to wear a wooden yoke, but He's asking me to strive to live a godly life. So people may ask, what's different about me? We're making it personal for you. What's different about me? I need to be ready to answer. We sang it today. It's Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Christ lives in me. So what's the answer? They say, what makes you so different? Christ lives in me. Truth, godliness, and that which really sets us apart, unconditional Christ-like love for all people, which we've already talked about. It's one of the reasons that we need to go public. The crowd was a little restless and chatty, but when she walked into the room, all stirring stopped. She wore her characteristic Indian sari with a blue border which represented the missionaries of charity, the order that she had founded in 1950. Her many years had bent her already small frame, but there was nothing small about her presence. In one of her last times to speak in a large crowd, Mother Teresa said, Give me your unborn children. Don't abort them. If you cannot raise them, I will. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. You have a handout in your worship folder. I'm not going over the statistics today, nor am I changing the subject. We read two weeks ago in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 where God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Proof enough. Life is precious from the womb to the tomb. You and I may not be able to influence the millions. We may feel kind of weak if we want to do anything politically. But you're a change agent. You may not be able to change everyone, but you can affect someone. It's time. 
For some people need to know the difference between right and wrong, and Jesus is the one who makes that known. For others, they need to know about God's grace and about God's forgiveness. Speaking of yokes, Jesus also lived in agricultural time, and He used the very same imagery to call people to Himself in Matthew chapter 11. For Jesus said, Come to Me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. It's time to go public. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're asking you today to ask Christ to forgive you of all your sins and ask Christ to come in and be your Savior and Lord and confess Jesus is Savior. We give you opportunity to go public with that today. You can come publicly saying, I need to accept Christ. This is how we do it at every service that we have. We have our song of response and our invitation we'll have in just a moment. I'll be standing down here at the front of one of our pastors and you can come say, I'd like to accept Jesus. Or, or maybe you already have, but you've not gone public. You've accepted Jesus. You were by yourself. You're in a crowd. You're in a church at home, wherever, but you've not made that public, we're going to give you opportunity today because it's time. It's time to go public. Let people know that you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's past time to go public. Holy Spirit's come upon you. You need to go public. People need to know about your faith when you're inside these walls, when you're outside the walls, when you're in your home, when you're at your place of business, when you're at school. When you're on the ball field, whatever you're doing, you need to go public so that people might be able to know, so that you might be able to point them to Jesus as well. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you even now recognizing and knowing that you've called us into your service. Thank you, Father, for the followers of Jesus who are here. Father, thank you for these believers, and we pray that we might be reminded once again or even more so now that we need to go public with who we are in Christ. For He makes all the difference in our lives. We pray, Father, from Your Word that we have found greater incentive, even more so, to live for You. And Father, we pray if there's one or more here who do not know You as Lord and Savior that need to go public asking Christ to come in, Father, we pray that even now we know the Holy Spirit's at work in their lives because they're present in this worship service. And we pray, Father, pray that today might be the day of their salvation or the day that they share it with others. Thank you, Father, for continuing to be at work in our church, continue to be at work in each individual. In Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of response, and as we do today, we want to encourage you. If the Lord's leading you to make a decision today, don't put it off. If you need to come accepting Christ, just come. Maybe, maybe you're not sure what you need to do next. We can tell you the next steps. If you've accepted Christ, you need to come for baptism or come making that public, then you come. If you're looking for a church home, it's okay to go public today. Just make Parkway Baptist Church your church home under the Holy Spirit's direction. If you'd like to come pray with one of us or pray at our altar, you certainly can. As we sing together, you come.